BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit valottery.com. Hey, y'all, you want to get saucy, pert, and greasy with the ladies from someplace underneath? Well, then slip and slide right on down to Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. The Country Jamboree from Last Podcast Network is June 18th. Tickets out now. Get on. Well, they're spicy. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah, it's Nashville, baby. <laughs> I feel like I'm perpetuating stereotype. Get on. Come on. We howl. Warning for discussion of suicide, cutting, child abuse, and sexual abuse. Someplace underneath. I'm just lighting up a cigarette against a jukebox. Ooh. Back in the saddle again. So you're the bad boy in the situation? Like Roadhouse? Yes, and I'm saving you. You're the virgin, Natalie. Thank you. Please protect it. Protect my hymen. Absolutely. I'll kill any man that tries to touch you. You are like a cool little desert wolf woman. You said, did you just go to a psychic? I did. During our little break, I went to a psychic in Sedona, which, you know, when in Rome, you got to go because they love psychics in Sedona. Oh, sure. And um, there's this man, he's like a white man, older, and he was like, I'm going to talk to the indigenous people, Mm. like close his eyes and meditate. And like, you know, I don't think it would be such a copacetic relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like the indigenous spirits might be like, please stop calling us, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop it. We're hanging out. We're hanging out in heaven. What are you doing? Yeah. And he's just like, oh, oh, oh. And he's like, ask me anything. Awkward. That is very awkward. It was very awkward. It was like an AMA with like his eyes closed. He's like, oh. oh. And, um, and I was like, so I'm like doing these like projects and I feel like people, they don't watch it the whole way. I feel like they kind of cut off halfway and they tune out. And he goes, hmm, what a stupid question. I've never heard a question so dumb. And I was like, man, you're mean. He what? was a mean man. Wait, was he nagging you? Yes. In his fucking spiritual time talking to the na- indigenous people, nagging me. It was a spiritual pickup artist? Gross. 
He was what? a gross, weird man. What a stupid question. Oh, it's like, man. And then he like, he took a drum and he beat it all around me. And he was like, how do you feel? And I was like, it's kind of silly. And he's like, people usually cry when I do that. But okay. Did you learn everything about yourself from this? Have you come back a changed person? My God. Well, you know what he did say? You have, um, because he did a fire lesson or something. And he put a paper over a piece of fire. And he said, you have two poodles watching out over you. And I was staying with my brother who had two poodles. So this man does have, I don't know. He does have a doorway into the ether. I don't know something, but he's mean as hell. Just spiritual people are mean, man. Those well, hippies. Didn't you say you grew up in the punk scene and punks and hippies are like natural enemies? Yes. One has boots, one has Birkenstocks. Oh my God. I'm if I had to choose, I would pick punk scene. Thank you. I, I still also <laughs> would choose. But, you know, now that you've been through this, I feel like I went through it with you. We've experienced these spiritual paradigm shifts. So welcome to season two of Someplace Underneath. Hello. I am Green Salsa. And I am Honey Silk. Those are our new season two names. Uh, <laughs> I would like to introduce you to the new lifestyle that we have started. Now, what we're talking about today is actually a woman who is named Teal Swan. Teal Swan, I love that name. And to be honest, when you were telling me about her, I was like, get out. And then I went and I looked at her videos and I was like, I'm in love. Mm -hmm. I fell for it, Natalie. I know, I know. There was a couple of times when we were talking where you were like, you know, I could I could really see myself getting into this. And I'd go, never know. I know, she's seductive. She can she, take you in. I get oh, it. Yeah, and it's all about the voice. Because you would think a leader would have this bombastic, listen to me, voice. But mm -hmm. if you pull it back and just kind of speak like this with intention and look directly in your mm -hmm. eyes, there's something about you, you get drawn in. So she reminds me a little bit. I want to talk about her voice because she reminds me a bit of Elizabeth Holmes in the sense that her voice is deeper than you expect it to be. Yes. And you wonder if it's an affectation. But. We're talking about Teal Swan for a few reasons. This first episode back into someplace underneath season two. Personally, I've always had an immense fascination with cults that are headed by women. Mm, boss babes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is really what a hashtag boss babe is toxic. And and I mean it in the sense of not women acting as leaders in a, within a cult to appease the guy, which happens a lot in cults. Um, sort of just doing the dudes bidding. I like the ones that come up into it all on their own, like big girls. Yeah, just them. It's just Teal Swan. Mm -hmm. So in general, because of the way that cults are set up, and I just really, you know, intentional communities, whatever you want to call them, they're very they're fascinating to many of us. Through my own lens, I view most cult leaders to embody more of a masculine energy. Yeah. Yeah. Like a control and a big booming voice and like like a Jim Jones. Yes, exactly. Like a like more of a structured, no nonsense, strong headed kind of energy. And that's what I mean by masculine energy. There's no obviously correct definition for that. But despite of gender or sex of a person, I can see, you know, most of us have masculine and feminine qualities no matter who we are. Yeah. I was reading about that, like the masculine and feminine energies. It has nothing to do with gender. No. But it's all about um like masculine energy. It's bright, it's fast, it's loud. Mm -hmm. And feminine energy, it is quiet and dark. And it's still, it's where the seeds germinate. Yeah. And you need to have both. Yes. If you are one or the other, you won't get something done or you'll get a heart attack at 50. Right. And I think that sometimes if certain, you know, leaders or gurus or whatever the fuck you want to call them embody one specifically more than the other, it is a little bit 
um, jarring in a sense that can make people like want to listen to you more, either masculine or feminine, like predominantly. So I don't see that many in my mind. I don't see that many cult leaders who embody so much of the feminine mystique as Ms. Teal Swan does. Yes. And even the name is feminine, mm -hmm. Teal Swan. Just yes. that luxurious energy. Yeah. And that energy to me is like willowy. It's earthy and sensual. It's mysterious. You know, it flows and ebbs and it's coy. It's vulnerable at times. I know that you've done videos about feminine energy before, right, Amber? I, I know when you've done some of the uh, cooking videos and stuff, you've talked about like embrace, like finding your feminine yeah. power and stuff. I personally love, I mean, I, I feel very connected to that part of my existence. But for a cult leader, there's not that many who do that. The, the more masculine energy would be like an L. Ron Hubbard, a Jim Jones, like you said, even like a Tony Robbins, if you're going into the, you know, the new age medicine kind of self-help, self-help. Yeah. Even I, I would consider Gwen Shamblin, the recently departed blonde, skinny, giant haired. Oh, the diet for Jesus. Spiritual leader, as we'll call her. Yes. I consider her to have a bit of masculine energy to her. She does because it's this very like, you got a diet for Jesus or you mm. go into hell or yeah. whatever. Thing yeah, yeah, is. yeah. Totally. Where Steel Swan is a little more like she looks at you directly and speaks directly to you. And she speaks more in riddles or <laughs> yes. like a Gwen Shamlin is just like da 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 da. Yeah. I also would actually consider Keith Raniere to have a bit of a, a feminine energy to him. Huh. You know, it's not a, 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 an easy way to to establish that one way or the other, but even a person who is like you know, sexually dominating, I feel like can present themselves as a more willowy feminine person. And sometimes that's oh, how yeah. you trick oh, yeah. somebody into comfort. Oh, yeah. All those um, spiritual dudes in yeah, this yeah. fucking thing. Yeah, like yoga bros and stuff. You, yeah. gross men. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, talk, mean, we'll talk some more about those yeah. dudes in this. Do yoga. Series. Be fun. Be spiritual. Sure. But don't fucking play around with me and pretend that you're all feminine and loving and give me a massage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For fucking sure. So it's Teal Swan's energy here, the hypnotic femininity that I find very alluring. She's raven-haired. She's prone to long, flowing gowns, often oh. adorned with sequins or silk. Yeah, it was a lot of silk with like a little bit of arm showing. Yes, yes. Provocative in that way where she's showing, you know, she'll have like a, one silky sleeve spilling down the side of her arm. It's not that she's wearing tight, sexy clothing. It's that she's suggestive a little bit. Yeah. And intentionally, I'm not slut-shaming her by any stretch. I no. love it. I, I love what she does. And her. she's a former model. I mean, she... We'll get into what modeling <laughs> was happening there, but she could have, I mean, she is the, she's a beauty. She could have been an actor or whatever. She'll have, you know, like a low-backed gown. She's lithe and delicate looking. She's almost frail at times. We joke about on this show how a charismatic leader to one is a snaggletooth glumphing jagoff to another, <laughs> Chad Daybell. Enters the chat, for example. But I get Teal Swan's appeal. Part the part of Satanism that I, I I'm like that I think is fun. It's the artifice, the theatrics, the unapologetic sexuality. Teal Swan has been doing this for quite a while, and she is only 37 currently. I know. I had no idea who she was till you brought her up, and then I went and I looked on her website, and it was just hundreds of videos. Yeah, she has a million followers, and that's one of the reasons that we're talking about her on Spun because. She flies under the radar. Yeah. And, but she has a big following and she continues to 
kind of get bigger as time goes on. Which I can see because especially now people want to belong to a group. Yeah, totally. And they, they want to feel like there's something more after this and there's something special and you and I are special. Yeah, I think cults are going to be a big problem for a few years. Popping off because we're told to stay six feet apart. Human beings can't do that psychologically. I mean, well, we at least we're not, we're not, we're not, we don't give any merit to mental health in this country. So when people start to have a breakdown, they go to whoever's there to prey on them. Mm -hmm. Teal embodies this fragile quality of both a, a vulnerable baby and also like almost, a, I don't want to say an elderly person, but like an, an old, old soul, old soul energy, sort of like a, like she a, says she's half alien. Yes. So, you know. <laughs> yes. Maybe. She has She has said that, hasn't she? <laughs> Within that, she's also like very sexy. So she's got a bit of a, you know, not a mom, not a MILF, like more like a bit, a bit, a bit pilf, like a baby elderly person. <laughs> Ethereal. Yeah, there you go. That's, That's better. It. That's less creepy. Um, her <laughs> movement is very graceful and delicate. She does this really wild tightrope act that is interesting where she asks people to help her and take care of her. She needs you. And people are there for her. Like, I feel like she's the kind of person, I've never seen the image of it, but I can see somebody like taking her elbow into a room because she just needs help into a room. Yeah. But at the same time, she speaks with this firm and final cadence. She's part of this like new and present danger that has also made QAnon so palpable that she's an internet guru. Oh, yeah. And she wants to raise money to build nations. She wants to buy a nation. She does. She has, in fact, said she wants to buy a nation. You know what? I'm kind of on board with this lady. Uh, I think she's Amber? pretty cool. Amber? I don't know. I'm, I'm slipping into Nat Natalie. I'm sorry. <laughs> the more you talk about uh, it, the more I'm like, yeah, rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah. Where do I sign up? I get it. And we'll, we'll talk about also how easy that is with her and then you kind of then forget to look at like, oh, don't look behind you. <laughs> no. Don't look behind her. So she has this fragility mixed with this power. And it really is, it's intoxicating in a lot of ways. So she has this internet guru thing going on. She, while she has a physical compound that you can live on, retreats you can attend, and you know half-day speaking engagements you can buy tickets for, she is also an ever-present content machine. Working hard. Her YouTube and Instagram are endless fountains of New Age pros. I mean, daily. Yes. Daily posts. She can become your best friend by opening an app. Absolutely. It's daily posts, but she's got it like put together. She's never yeah, in yeah. a sweatshirt and a hoodie and her hair tied up. No, 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 no. No, always perfect background, intentional um, background sound, perfectly put together, perfectly wording things that are difficult. I mean, the way that she controls her voice is difficult. So I don't know if you can tell. I mean, I speak perfectly fluidly and you guys just can't. I know it's shocking to everyone. <laughs> I make it seem so easy. When she speaks to you on these videos and only to you, of course, directly at you, mm -hmm. she never stumbles on her words. She rarely changes her pacing. And many of her followers tell her, that they listen to her videos for hours 
in the evening. Some even fall asleep with them on all night. So they're playing while they sleep. It's very easy to listen to it. Very easy to fall asleep. And like, what does that do to your brain? That changes your brain chemistry. I mean, I think there's probably a pretty solid science to back that up. Yeah. It's hypnotic. It's it's hypnosis, essentially. Mm -hmm. And if you watch the videos as well as listen to them, the imagery, like we just said, is also hypnotizing. And presumably that's on purpose. There's a way that she holds her head and shifts her eye gaze that's like, I don't know. It's 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 intriguing, but it's also a little bit scary. There's something about yeah. it that's a little uncanny valley about about the way she looks, but it's also like captivating the way she does it. She herself to me is a little scary. Like it's as though just under the surface of this gently lapping lake is a creature with 10 rows of teeth just waiting for you to step a little further into the calm water. Oh, that's how you do it, Natalie. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect way to describe it. That's how I see her. I don't know if there are any Game of Thrones fans out there. I don't know if you've heard of that series. It's crazy. (laughs) It's really wild. You should check it out. But to me, she is the perfect casting for Melisandre of Um, You know, the Red Witch. I don't think you're a Game of Thrones person, right? I don't have a TV. The books are great. I should probably read the books. But they're, I mean, it is a months-long commitment. They are very long. I mean, what else am I going to do? Pick my nose and fart in my hand and eat it? I don't know. You'd probably do all of them. (laughs) She is the red witch in my brain. Like, I think she would be the perfect casting for that. She's just seductive and porcelain. But at the end of the day, if you catch her at the wrong time, there's a smoke demon coming out of her pussy. And you're like, whoa, what's going on here? Vicious. Even when she's saying something cyclical and droning, she says it with such confidence that you can actually believe there's a point to what she's saying. Yeah. Because most of the time it doesn't, there's not really, if you really are listening to the word she's saying, you're just going like, you're not really saying anything. Yeah, that's a lot of spiritual leaders I notice do that. Um, they, they, They say a lot of like, you can be you if you only desire and dreams are of the stardust. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It is. But if you were to sit down and ask me to write down what the hell they were saying, yeah. it's nothing. Yes, exactly. So it's her carefully cultivated propaganda. She really, in doing these things, she seems almost otherworldly. It's very impressive. And I get how intoxicating that can be. She's also kind of reminds me of the girl that you desperately want to like you in school, even though like she's probably pretty mean. Yeah. And the more that you try to, to get her to like you, the more she like is cold to you. And then the more you try. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So as you may guess, this is only the surface of what's going on. This tranquil, hypnotic, beautiful woman. And because of the more sinister and damaging parts of her they exist within the realm of YouTube. Her actions are largely overlooked by, I don't know. I hate the term MSM, but. What is MSM? Mainstream media. Oh. So she's not like addressed on a, a, a scale in, in the, of that caliber because it's, oh, it's a YouTuber. It's whatever. She's doing a thing. Yeah, but she's telling people some, we, we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. I saw that video and I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. It's being overlooked a lot by Grown-ups. I don't know how to just explain that. Um, though she she so since she's missing from this conversation, the greater conversation of like, you know, power imbalance abuse, as well as some of her victims are missing from being acknowledged as victims because of being on YouTube and not CBS or whatever. We're also ignoring the fact that she has a subscriber count of over a million people and 
There aren't signs of her slowing down anytime soon. So why are we talking about her exactly? Like, who cares if she uses her intellect and beauty to make a buck, right? Fucking God bless. Well, among several other alarm bells going off around Teal to me, and many others also agree, she was given a, a certain nickname by her detractors, the people who are no longer her followers. Oh, what was the nickname? What is that? Well, the nickname alludes to most the most concerning aspects of her teaching. They call her the suicide catalyst. Can I speak to the aspect of you that doesn't want to be here? Don't know him, but you can. You have that in you. Well, I don't. I don't feel it. Do you like it here? Prague, you mean? No, of course, the world. Um, honestly, I don't. I haven't found something that really motivates me. That really f- makes me feel alive and electric. I just feel kind of. Just kind of useless. You don't want to be here. Yeah, like on Earth. And there's no point, really, honestly, in like being on this planet, especially from a universal perspective. There's no point in really being on this planet if we're going to be dragging ourselves to be here all the time. Because I want to be happy and I want to live. That's also a cop out. Because you don't. I want to be happy and I want to live is not the real truth for you. For the majority of people here on Earth, death is such a liberation that you would give it to yourself. So sometimes, which is what suicide is, sometimes that's the best option for some people. Well, it's, what, it's what nobody wants to say, because we want to make death wrong, and obviously suicide the wrongest. Next to <laughs> My sister killed herself when mm-hmm. he is here. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Just in time for my video. Yeah. <laughs> what suicide is. My God. And when she says, oh, but she was reincarnated actually two days later, I was just like, you are fucking crazy. Yeah. You crazy, stupid, you crazy bitch. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So she has some very controversial, let's say, opinions about suicide for one. We'll never know how many people killed themselves because she said it's just a reset button. Yeah. And it's okay. We'll never know how many. And those are the missing people. So, yeah. So, we're, we'll get into her doctrine here about what she says and that sort of reckless way that she says it. And, you know, we'll talk about maybe whether or not it's intentional or if she just thinks she's actually helping people. Yeah. Some people might say that that doesn't matter, but I think it's really interesting and kind of an important part of the conversation about like is this intentional or does she actually have this idea that this is going to actually help people yes or she want to hurt them you know it's hard to say it's hard to say well these spiritual communities can be pretty toxic like i remember there was one of her little friends called spirit science i remember years ago i was like there was a i signed on for a course with them or whatever to like take some online you knew of him from a long time from a long time ago so i i watched episode one and it was all like free but it was just like you know 
15 courses or whatever. So I watched episode one and it was just like, your thoughts dictate the world around you. And I was like, sure, rock and roll. And sure. I, I pass out, I go to sleep, I wake up, episode 12, they're talking about how Jewish people are aliens from another oh planet. Oh my God. I was like, what I happened that. to throw 11? Oh. What happened to throw 11? I mean, technically that is a really helpful way to see the doctrine because that's usually how it goes. It starts yeah. out really innocuous and then it's just like, Slowly. you should kill your family. And you're like, what? They're they're bad. Oh, they're the reason. They're what the I reason for all of the war. I have to kill my brother. Okay, what I miss. But that's you know the teal swan. She's not telling people Jewish people from another planet, but she's just slowly telling you about how your thoughts dictate reality. And yeah. then she's just like, if you kill yourself, it's a reset button. Yeah, but you've just too invested. Yes, in her beautiful eyes. Yes, and her flowing skin. And like we've talked about. Like we've talked about with a lot of other groups, once you've committed to this idea that's outrageous, and this will be seen a lot with Teal, you committed to that. You kind of have to commit to every other outrageous idea because if you haven't, then you have to question the original outrageous idea you accepted. And I'm going to go to the extreme. It's my personal belief that if anybody tells you that they have a connection to the spirit, the universe, God above you, and you have to listen to them, you need to run far away. Yeah. It doesn't matter what religion, what what doctrine it is, that's usually not going to end up well for you. No, because they're probably, it reminds me of like doing drugs because, you know, you start off a couple little hits and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I'll kind of listen to this person. Yeah. And then after a while, you're like, I, I give them all my money so they can control me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. It is it is an addiction. I mean, it really is. I think like scientifically will be called an addiction in a lot of situations like that because it is like a drug. They are giving you high. They are making you feel like a different person. They change your personality like drugs do, truly. Oh yeah. Okay, so where the fuck did this woman come from? Ugh. Much like LRH, there are parts of her upbringing we can confirm for pretty certain and parts we really can't. Really mysterious woman. Mhm. Most of the sources of her history are from her own narratives, and they those narratives aren't always trustworthy, as we'll get into. We do know with fair certainty that Teal Swan was born Mary Teal Bosworth in 1984. So the Teal part is actually from her birth name. When I first heard this Teal Swan name, I assumed it was just a created... I saw a swan one day and it winked at me and then right behind it was a blue wall. You know, I thought it was one of those things. But Teal is actually her middle name and Swan was one of her married names from one of her previous husbands. Oh, cool. So she just maintained it. Maybe she maintained the Swan because it was a little frou-frou sounding, but, you know, it was actually her name and whatever. I mean, I don't use my birth last name. I can't really mock her for that. It's fairly certain that she was born in Santa Fe, like I said, in 1984. And then was raised in Salt Lake City with her family. So. With all the Mormons. And I hear, reading her biography, that because she was blessed with all these gifts. But she, the Mormons, if you're a man, they're a little more okay with it. But mm-hmm. if you're a woman, they consider you sick. Yes. And that's why I was like, oh, but I was like more on her side. I was like, rock and roll till swan, you fucking tell them what's up. I know. It's another thing that you want to be like, yeah, that's fucking cool. It's metal as hell, man. She... I really agree. I believe this part of her story that when she grew up, because her parents essentially moved them there because they were professionally forest rangers. So the Salt Lake City was a coincidence. They didn't take them there to like teach them Mormonism or anything. Because uh, Teal has a brother whose name is Sky, of course. <laughs> and they weren't there for the Mormon religion. 
So she was already sort of a fish out of water here. And even as a young kid, she came across as creative and interesting and like, you know, assertive. And they don't they don't cotton to the ladies like that in uh, old Mormon town. They do like they basically call you a witch. if yeah. You're a woman. So she, they, she didn't have friends. She was bullied from a really young age. That's sad. I know. And that part of her, I'm like, yeah, I totally understand. That sucks, man. Her parents, like I mentioned, were forest rangers. And though they don't really participate much in Teal's lifestyle now, they did appear in the fluff documentary that was put out called Open Shadow about Teal Swan. And they do confirm this was their origin stories, where she came from. Open Shadow, uh, by the way, which we'll talk about more, was a documentary directed by Paola Marina. And while... I'm not suggesting that this was propaganda put out by Teal. I don't have any information suggesting that Teal funded it or anything like that. Paula is a follower of Teal. So at the very least, that tells me it's going to be a bit biased, which Mm. it is. It's very. Yeah. Teal is so perfect. She's great in every way. No notes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it really is kind (laughs) of portrayed that way. So it's pretty apparent to me, at least, that Teal is extremely bright and extremely charismatic. She says, again, that she was bullied and rejected in school, and that wouldn't super surprise me. So already at this point, though, her story begins to diverge into a few different ways that maybe don't really make sense. Her origin story is frankly unbelievable and based on other archived online presences she had from the early 2000s pretty contradictory to how she used to describe herself. So she has this one origin story that she has with her tribe, which is what she calls them, her teal tribe. And then another origin story that comes from actually looking at the timeline that she left, the the footprint she left online from the early 2000s. Interesting. Yeah. So in short, one of Teal's main selling points to her methodology is that she claims to have been a victim of extreme torture and abuse inside a satanic cult for 13 years until she escaped at the age of 19. In her book, The Completion Process, which I would liken to her version of Dianetics or the Master Key System, it's basically for people who follow her doctrine, it's like the Bible it's like the thing you go to to like learn how the structure of the self-help, how to start becoming the better wow. you. I kind of want to read this. Oh, no. Why am I falling in love with Teal Swan? I get it. I get it. She has many people who are in love with her. I get it. I, I say, I mean, I bought it because I had to for research. I yeah. don't really want to support her, but, you know, buy it if you want to buy it and see what it says. But, you know. The lady Just Bible. Beware. I'm going to keep checking in with you, Amber. Okay, thanks, Natalie. <laughs> I like this lady Bible. Lady Bible. So I wanted to show you, this is how much the satanic cult background plays into her doctrine and her storyline. So the beginning of the completion process, the preface actually, it begins like this. The year was 2001. I was sitting in a hole, my wrists and ankles tied together. I can't say that I was afraid, because the years of abuse leading up to that point had desensitized me to danger. It was more that I had given up on life. I didn't see the point, 
I had conceded to the reality that my life was a torture chamber made for one, and I was never going to get out alive. When I was in grade school, I had been targeted by a family acquaintance who, unbeknownst to my parents, was a psychopath. Outwardly, he presented himself as a respected community leader and a health professional, but he had a much darker side. Only a few people knew he participated in cult rituals. He became my childhood mentor and gained unfettered access to me. My parents trusted him and were unaware that my relationship with him was built on torture. They saw most of the red flags but misinterpreted them. My abuser threatened to kill my family if I ever told anyone what he did, and I knew he was fully capable of murder. The ritual abuse lasted for 13 years. So now, just to be crystal clear before we go any further, while I will be pushing back against some of Teal's claims, I am in no way invalidating anyone who has experienced extreme child abuse. We know all too well that this is a real crisis. Yes. Adults are capable of unspeakable acts towards children. We know this is real. Though we will break down why I don't believe some of Teal's claims, I am in no way suggesting that she wasn't abused as a kid. I think it's probably pretty likely that she was in some capacity. Yeah, maybe a little A, little column B. Yeah. You know, yes. especially if you're like in a place that's very religious. A lot of these zealots, I mean, they, they abused kids. Yes. And she had some influence that we'll get into that might have also helped put this together regardless the next section is a little traumatic to hear and we will have to revisit traumatic events several times in this episode just to everyone so everyone's clear and fyi i spent a lot of time sitting in that hole in the ground nicknamed the mind space it was just large enough for a person to sit in covering the hole was a nailed together lattice of weathered wood in the summers the bottom of the hole was lined with stinging nettle this was his idea of a way to train my mind Before I was put into the space, I was usually stripped naked and my wrists and ankles were tied together. I had no idea how long he was going to leave me there. I had no idea whether he would decide to keep me indefinitely, kill me, or return me to my parents later that night. Despite the path of uncertainty, I had been confined to this hellhole so many times it felt routine. I was acclimated to suffering, except for one thing— Going into the mind space meant I had to be alone with myself, and I couldn't bear it. I felt the emptiness within me. Even worse than emptiness, it was a complete void, its edges colored by grief. So what she's describing here Mm. is horrific. Yes. Um, And it's certainly not out of the realm of physical possibility. I think a lot of us can also understand the feeling of detachment from something painful in our lives, or you know, the fear of being alone with our thoughts. So in that way, it's very relatable yeah. to people. Especially when 2020 hit around. That was, I, mm-hmm. I noticed a lot of our friends having mental breaks. Not me. Not me. We're doing great, Natalie. It's not like we didn't start a podcast on <laughs> missing women. We didn't have a mental break at all. No, this isn't a projection of how I'd felt inside or anything. <laughs> I, I think that especially people who are seeking her out already are already mostly going through a crisis. So yeah. I think that this can be connected to them. I'm not going to make any further comment right now on this, but to go, she goes on to essentially in many books, many, many books and interviews in blog posts and public talks, describe the different forms of torture she went through at the hands of this man and his cult that she says he called, well, she gives a couple different names for the cult over time, but at one point she says he was in a, two different cults, 
but one of them was called the Blood Covenant Cult. Ooh, that sounds metal. Blood Covenant's pretty on the nose as a cult name, you know, if you ask me. Yeah. But it's very metal. This man, by the way, is a man who actually exists, who did, in fact, have a relationship with Teal and her family when she was growing up. Oh, shit. Though I won't put his name here because he's never been convicted of anything. He is a currently practicing veterinarian who specializes in larger animals like cows and horses. So he could have dug a hole. Big enough for a horse or a girl. Right. So there are things that you can hear and go, well, I guess that sounds plausible. But then it goes three episodes later. If you check back in, you're like, wait, he did what? Um, hmm. I have a question or two. So at the very least, both this doctor and Teal's parents acknowledge that he spent time with her and trained her in animal care and quote unquote quantum healing. So regardless of what occurred, he was also involved in her influence in New Age medicine, and she still credits him with teaching her intuitive healing or intuitive medicine. So yes, this doctor exists. He is a man who has been accounted for, and she did spend time alone with him. So I am in no way saying that he is completely innocent, but I'm also no. saying he's not guilty. I We don't really know at this point what, what happened yeah. between them. And it would be weird for a parent to leave their kid alone with a man. Yeah, I do feel like in the 90s that was like more just acceptable. Yeah. But no, it is weird. I, I wouldn't do it no. as a parent. But in the 90s, we just pretended like child molesters didn't exist for some reason. People were hitchhiking, you know? It was a different world. I guess in the 90s they still were, yeah. I wasn't, but I did a lot of dumbass things, I'll tell you that. <laughs> also, he so he did influence her New Age medicine stuff. Also, while her parents are being interviewed for the documentary Open Shadow, in the bonus footage they have like the extra features, they discussed that they didn't understand her gifts because the parents were science people. They were science-based. But in the same breath, they also talk about taking her to a psychic and a, a retreat in the mountains of China with an energy channeler when she was still a minor. So I don't know if they were totally science-based. And they also gave her the oh, – look, this is petty, but they also gave her the middle name Teal and they had a son named Sky and they lived off the grid for part of Teal's childhood. So I'm just saying the notion that they were these buttoned-up squares who were perplexed by no. their daughter's woo-woo magic, that's kind of bullshit. They sent her to a retreat in China? They did. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a whole other country, different culture. That's a lot. So, yeah, they sound crazy. <laughs> Sorry. They, their parents sound crazy. Leaving her alone with a man, naming her Teal. Yeah. So, and, and, the, and when you see them interviewed, they seem, you know, bright and like not, they don't seem like frightening or anything when you watch their interview, but... There, there's no question that this woman, Mary Teal Bosworth, is really a fascinating human being. Like yes. there is something very unusual about her, and I can see her parents sort of being taken by her as well a little bit. Not Ooh. like not necessarily manipulated, but just like blown away by her presence. Fascinating. Yes, They're like she had her parents under the spell. I think a little bit. And you, even when you see pictures of her as a child, she looks so striking, just very unique looking. So anyway, this doctor, this veterinarian is still practicing currently. One of the forms of media that I'm going to be referencing, referencing on this topic is a series that was put out by Gizmodo and was written and hosted by journalist Jennings Brown, 
who I think does a fantastic job at remaining objective and trying to see her side of the whole teal tribe thing as well as as push back against it also. So he is allowing her to speak and give her side, but also kind of not just like accepting it. He'll push back on her a little bit. So he does actually, you know, interview her during the series. I highly recommend you give it a listen. In Jennings' series, which is called The Gateway, he interviews people from Teal's past, current followers of hers, current detractors of hers, and Teal herself. So it's really quite informative, and it, while it still allows you to make your own decision at the end of the day. Oh, I like that. So it's not a slam piece at all, in my opinion, also no. not a fluff piece. While Teal accuses this doctor, this doctor of veterinary medicine, who she routinely refers to as Doc, um, in her speaks, in her speaks, in her speaks, <laughs> in her talkies, what she accuses him of doing is quite horrific. Yeah. Jennings Brown goes out to speak to this doctor personally on the episode. So you hear from him. Holy shit. They, they don't, get into it. They don't like give his name on the, the series, but they speak to him. And unsurprisingly, he denies everything she's saying. Yeah. That's going to happen probably whether or not he did have an inappropriate relationship with her. He's not going to be like, yeah, you know, it was the 90s. It was the 90s. I bury a kid in a hole. Come on. Come on. Who didn't bury a kid in a hole Clinton in the 90s? was president. We all thought it was fine. No, I love it. Creed was playing. Ugh. Ugh. Was Creed 90s or 2000s? I think it's more 2000s. Wait, what know. was 90s? Uh, Lannis Morissette. Black Hole Sun. Soundgarden. That was 90s. It was, yeah. He obviously was like, no, I didn't do any of these things. He says the only physical touch he had with her was a hug from time to time. We'll come back to Teal's claims later on in the series about what happened to her with him and why I don't necessarily necessarily believe all of it. But it doesn't mean, again, and we'll talk again about what why I think, find this tragic, it doesn't mean that he didn't do anything to her. Yeah. Little column A, little column B. I'm mentioning that it's possible she was abused in some manner. In her in her doc, she reveals some of her childhood journals. Both we see them and she reads from them. I have no reason to believe that these journals are fabricated or made up, you know, in the aftermath. But we do have to go on her word that they are from her childhood, actually, regardless. In these journals, as a child and adolescent who is clearly struggling. Mm. I actually really kind of relate to the kid in these journals dark imagery included. There's a lot of pain in her writing, she, her discussing feeling really badly. She draws things that are like demons. and Yeah. Um, that was my childhood stuff too. Yeah. While nothing she shows alludes perfectly to the crimes she claims were happening against her, you can see that she had sadness and isolation. Oh, I mean, her parents were forest rangers. You can't get more isolated than that. Especially hanging out with a bunch of Mormons who think you're a fucking witch. Oh, my God. At like, you know, which I think is cool now, but probably when you're seven, that sucks. No. So some of the journals contain these haunting drawings and collages filled with monsters, girls crying out. Everything looks kind of hellish. She attributes these to proof that she was being tortured at the time. But here's the thing. I had very similar drawings to these at the time. And yeah. while I, I, you know, I was experiencing some abuse and loads, uh, certainly loads of cruelty, I wasn't being trafficked into a satanic sex ring. My drawings and paintings all had images of people or specifically girls cowering, being attacked by large images cut out of magazines, characters with haunted grins and X'd out eyes that were chained to the ground. 
And it wasn't some sexy BDSM stuff. It was how I felt all the time as a tween and a teen. While I see a young girl here in her drawings experiencing pain, it doesn't necessarily correlate with sex trafficking, although she's trying to suggest that that's what this means. Interesting. Yeah, I remember I had a drawing of somebody trapped in a box screaming, mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah. and um, that was just normal, yeah. normal kid stuff. I mean, you know, probably we all needed therapy, but, you know, I bet a lot of you guys listening out there right now had similar yeah. things. But it was the 90s. It was the 90s. Who doesn't draw somebody trapped in a box Sometimes with a monster? Sometimes kids get taken for a couple years. They come back it's most the of the 90s. time. Yeah, it was the 90s. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Also, we experience cut, seeing her cutting scars in this documentary. She was very clearly cutting at one point in her life, and she talks about it. You mm. cannot manufacture those scars. They yeah. are real. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and... Producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I know someone who, because I've never cut myself, but I know mm -hmm. a girl who does. Yeah. And she just has such a... Um, a, a constant need every day to like meditate to be yeah. on our plane, if that makes sense. Totally. Because it's just so easy to spiral her out. And yeah. I've seen her get drunk and spiral out and like scream and run out in the streets and scream. And that yeah. obviously says to me that there's like something needing help inside of her. Yeah. To physically harm yourself like that. Yeah. And I, I think self-harm can come in a lot of capacities. Oh, yeah. I smoked um, for years. Yeah. That's the form of cutting. Yeah. And, just you know, I had disordered eating and stuff like that. So I, I was also never a cutter, but I had definitely had friends who did it. And it's very common with young women, young mm -hmm. girls specifically, but it can happen to anyone. And that's deeply painful and, and very traumatic, of course. And it, it certainly represents a cry for help or a release of the pain you're feeling inside. Yeah. But it, it also doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that person was in an evil cult. It's not the only no. reason that you would be cutting. No, sometimes you just, you, your soul feels too big, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. So whether or not Teal experienced physical abuse and whether or not that perpetrator was in fact this veterinarian... It's really not clear. We'll talk again about why I find that incredibly tragic. On Teal's timeline, at least the one that she presents to the public now, she was stuck as essentially a slave to this cult until she escaped at the age of 19. So around 2003. Mm -hmm. She says that between 6 and 19, she was this child's trafficked Satan cult. Oh, those are some formative years. Yes. That's how you really develop yourself. Yes. And if she was in a cult, wow. You know, it could have even be like a metaphorical you're in a quote unquote cult when like she just feels like not accepted. Right. But she has very descriptive specific events. So that's one of the issues that we're going to come up against. Mm. According to her, then around that time at age 19, she did the thing that a lot of us do when we're trying to escape a really dark place. You just sort of get in a car and you just keep driving and you're just like, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. 
I'm oh my gonna, god! I just need to get out of here, and we'll see where I'm driving. I've done that before. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> so she did this thing, according to her, where she drove, and she ended up driving herself to her a friend, at really an acquaintance of her. She barely knew this guy, and went to his house, and he ended up taking care of her for quite a while, even though she didn't have a plan to do it. She just sort of went there and was just like, "Help." And just like kind of collapsed, you know, oh. which is I, something I could fantasize about in times when I was struggling. Like there, I didn't have a place like that necessarily. Uh, I've had a couple friends who've really helped me out of dark places. But this is something that she says she went to the, this friend who whose name is Blake Dyer is actually still a part of her tribe now. Hmm. Um, he'll be reappearing here and not really in a positive light. Oh, Blake. What do you do, Blake? Because it's also scary when a woman, because when I was homeless, um, or I think unhoused is the word we're supposed to say now, when I was unhoused, I specifically did not stay with men. I stayed on Ed's couch, but I know Ed forever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like he loves Julie, and they're practically married already. I mean, you're, Ed's a safe guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's a safe yes, man. But yeah. like I remember I was doing stand up, and other men were like, You can come stay on my couch. And I was like, Oh, I can? Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. I can't look, I can't wait to look forward to being almost raped at night. Yeah, I can't wait till I sleep with one eye open every night. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for the offer, sir. Yeah, it's just so much more dangerous for a woman to be getting in a car and just driving off. Yeah, seeking for sure. Help. Crashing with stunt guys was always really scary. For what it's worth, Blake did not do that to her. Okay, good. She's definitely the, the alpha in the situation. <laughs> okay, good. So he'll be, uh, oh, and I apologize, by the way, for using the term tribe. I know it's appropriating, but the term, that's what she uses in her I ideology. They're called the teal tribe. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm referring it to it in that way. Then at some point within the next couple of years, she ends up going to a rape crisis center oh. for trying to process the abuse she experienced. And actually, the way she describes it in her interviews is that a boyfriend physically dragged her into the rape crisis center and then pushed her through the door, which there's a lot. There's a lot to break down there. That's a lot. Either so, way, it sounds like she has a chaotic past. Yeah. You know, yeah. even if only 25% of this happened, right. it's still a lot. It's a lot. Even just the way her childhood was with her parents was very unusual in the sense that since they were park rangers, there's like, I know at one point when she was a toddler, she spent like a year on a sheep farm in Australia with them and like all this weird shit. So yeah, it's not a con conventional childhood. Essentially, she talks about how this guy like physically pushed her through. It's like abuse, to, but to talk about... I don't know. And at the, you know, this is at the point where she says after she went to this rape crisis center that everything began to unravel for her regarding what happened to her in the past. Um. So this boyfriend, by the way, is referenced in several different points of like interviews and books and blogs by Teal. And tonally, she talks about him very differently every time. And some she reflects on how he helped her get therapy in sort of a happy way. She even shows his picture in her documentary. And other times she implies that he was abusing her, like I just mentioned, because like shoving your girlfriend into a rape crisis center is like not great. Yeah. Now, that can be the case, of course, with abusive relationships. It, sometimes you don't understand it's abuse till later. But I do notice that she does take that tone with a lot of her personal relationships, not just the romantic ones, but like will speak very, very different ways about the same person, depending on what time or what period of time she's talking about them. Interesting. I mean, I kind of do the same thing too. Yeah, I think we all do. I think it's a little bit noticeable more so. Like it's a little extreme with her. I don't run a cult. 
No. You know no, what I mean? I do podcasting. Yeah. Like I'll talk about my mom one way one day when I'm happy and another way, you know. For sure. Yeah. And I think that maybe it's it just struck me in a way and I was like, she does do this a lot, talking about people from her past. This guy also, according to her, somehow f- this these are her words, found his way to her mm. to heal from a drug addiction. Mm. And this is before she was a guru. So I don't know what she means that he found her, his way to her. But once she, quote unquote, healed him, they started dating. <laughs> so, OK, I don't know. That's odd. But this would have been when she was still pretty young. So we all made dumb choices in our yeah. early 20s. Yeah, Just hold a man while he's shaking from like he needs more drugs. Yeah. And then just become his girlfriend. There you go. Um, I've, I've done similar. So. It's at this point when she realizes that people are coming to her for advice a lot. She says that prior to this, she had really pretty much always known that she was, well, you know, she's a lot of things. She says a lot of things. She's an alien. She calls herself, yes, extrasensory, that she is 50% alien and that not like I'm like alien like from a different place like no my body is made of one half of an alien wow which i don't know how because her parents seem like humans to me but i don't know but maybe she's right you know the universe is big and we got other kind of planets on here you it's know true. maybe she's right amber i don't know <laughs> amber no i w- you just check it up on me just making sure you're not joining her tribe oh <laughs> uh. She also says that she int- she was intentionally created to be beautiful so that people will listen to her. Hell yeah, baby. Which is kind of fun. In her doc, she says she was born with clairsentience, clairaudience, claircognizance, and clairvoyance. Just making up words. I know. I didn't know any of those words except clairvoyance, so I looked them up. Yeah. Clairsentience. Perception of what is not normally perceptible. Okay. So I can be like clairsentience. Ooh, I see that like you're a pickle. There, you're a pickle. Like, no, I'm not Natalie. I'm not a pickle. Like, no, you're a pickle. You're covered in salt, girl. Yeah, yeah, I can see it now. Um, I guess there's not that doesn't really explain anything to me. Perception perception of what is not normally perceptible. I don't know. Is it like explaining the internet to somebody 50 years ago? Maybe. <laughs> you know, or like Bitcoin to me now. Yeah, maybe that's a good way to put it. I think. Yeah, it's just like a coin that exists in space. Like what? This is like money that like exists like in the air. Uh, I don't know. I can't handle this. <laughs> Claire audience, the supposed faculty of perceiving as if by hearing what is inaudible. So like a dog hearing notes that we can't hear? Yes. I think like she sees sound or something. That's cool. I guess. I mean, like I was thinking the other day, like dogs, they only see gray. They don't see color. But if you don't know color, then you don't know what gray is. So you just run off of vibes and smells. Yeah. Although I think with dogs, they actually see some colors, just not all colors. Just not all colors. Man, but dogs are smart. Like you drop a dog down, you drop Wendy downtown, she'll bark her way up. She'll find her way to you. Yeah. She's fucking, Wendy is genius. She's a genius. (laughs) Uh, Claire Cognizance, the ability for a person to acquire psychic knowledge without knowing how or why they knew it. You know, I think I'm a little bit Claire Cognizance, you know, because sometimes- you just is that whenever you've been drinking and you've made this beautiful meal and you suddenly come to afterwards and you're like, how did I do that? Yes. Wow. Is that the same thing? Yes. Okay, cool. I've absolutely done that. Made like a steak and I just had a bottle of wine. And I was like, oh, shit, how did I get this steak in front of me? <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. I think that's claircognizant. That's it. Clairvoyance, a person who claims to have a supernatural ability to perceive events in the future or beyond normal sensory contact. So that's the only one I had 
knew that had heard before yeah. clairvoyance. You know what this language reminds me of? It reminds me of the LDS church, the basics of princi- life principles, the way how it just doesn't flow naturally out of the body. Oh, Bill Gother, the IBLP? IBLP. Um, sorry, I think I said something else earlier. I be, because it's like, um, so it's automatically training your brain to like sit up straight and behave differently than how you naturally yeah. are. I mean, the supposed facility of perceiving as if by hearing what is inaudible. I don't understand what that is. And it doesn't sound very natural coming out of my body. No. And it is, it's very magical in thinking and it's fun. It's like something you think about when you're tripping where you're just like, but what if I see hearing now? Yeah, you know, and it's fun to think about, but it's technically nonsense. But if you look at it from this, like, oh, it's a higher plane. We're just trying to figure it out, man. Oh, she's got it. That's cool. I think that that can be very addicting and like hypnotizing and being like, oh, I like this because I love magic shit. I love magical thinking. I love it. Oh my god, the other day I was like laying out in the backyard and I put on this spiritual music and it just goes like wah wah wah. It's all just vibes. Did Teal tell you to listen to this? She did. She looked me Fuck. right in the eyes. She was clairvoyant. She went into my house and told me to do it. No. And then I was just watching the stars, and then I started my period right then and there. Whoa, that's cool. Well, it, I mean, we our periods are regulated by the moon. Yes. It's true. That's, it was that's magic. science. And this is why I have like some grievances with this like um spiritual world. It's like I love spiritual stuff. Yeah. I love like Pull out the tarot, man. That's pretty cool. Let's talk about chakras. You know, let's talk sure. about ancient civilizations. Love it. That's I love it. But as soon as you start um, asking for money mm-hmm. or telling me to kill myself as a reset or saying button, saying that I can talk to God for you, yes, that's that's fucked up. And yes. it's interesting you bring that up because one of the people we'll talk about later on in one of the other episodes is a guy named Andy Fellows who was just like trying to like open his mind and he started watching ancient aliens and it was like four steps later he was on a teal swan video like he went just like ancient aliens fun cool let's talk about some weird civilization shit yeah four steps later there's a guru going like do you feel depressed and he's like i do yes i'll help you you can come live with me i mean it's like drugs it's so quick and easy yeah it's really it's really wild the years of her life between 18 and her mid-20s are a little confusing same for me baby i know hers for different reasons because she's telling us multiple things i'm telling myself i don't remember my fucking yeah i'm just pushing mine like in a basement and locking the door yeah maybe you should but you know don't leave it in there too long (laughs) Help Amber It'll grow in the dark. Remember me. Amber, I'm back to get crazy. You're like, no, no. no. Of course, she doesn't owe anyone the minute details of her personal life. But stories from this time period are often confusing and even contradictory. And that does matter if what you're selling is predicated upon your own origin story. Mm. She says that she could see people's aura since she was a little girl, etc. All the things we just talked about. Because of these gifts people began to seek her out. Now, I believe that people began to seek her out because as we've been talking about, she has a very compelling and mysterious appeal to her, something that pulls you in. And it doesn't hurt. And Amber, you brought this up organically to me the other night when we were talking, but I had already written this, that she has like this striking ice blue eye color mixed with almost 
black hair yeah. and porcelain, very pale skin. That combo is like chef's kiss. And it's also just very unusual. You don't see it that often. Blue eyes and black hair. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. It, it's just something that you don't, it's not a combo that's that common. So mm-hmm. I think that in itself lends itself to otherworldliness. She has a very piercing stare. And because she's so um, fluid in her speaking and I can see how people just came to her naturally and wanted to like be around her. She's yeah. already she kind of already immersed herself into like the the new age world at this point, even mm-hmm. though she didn't have her own cult yet. So she had really begun to collect people early in her early twenties who were transfixed by her. Which again, I don't hate that about her. I think that's kind of fun. Oh yeah, use it because a lot of people seek out mommy energy. Yeah, sure, use it. But it's within that first little posse that she begins to launch her guru career. And in 2011 is really when they strike out to do this like sort of soft launch of her teal tribe. Uh, So this is 2011. The first guy we talked about, Blake Dyer, was integral to this launch. He was like the one in her corner who was like always like backing up whatever claims she was making kind of. This was the perfect time to become a social media spiritual leader. YouTube was getting spicy and Instagram had just been launched. Facebook was popping off. Twitter was gathering steam. Choo-choo, full speed ahead to cuckoo town for society. Hell yeah. Because the internet before then, it was just like 4chan. Yeah. And like- there was like still a lot of child trafficking and stuff, but like there wasn't the ability to possess people in the way that no. you used to have to go to see a spiritual guru. Yes. Now they will come to you. Oh, yeah. come to your house. Anyway, Blake and Teal and a handful of others worked in tandem to get Teal into the zeitgeist via videos, articles, comments under fake names, like put comments under the art, you know, stuff to like get. They, they understood at that time that like the power of the Internet, the power of that and also the power of organic engagements with things yeah. would bring more people. They're so, really smart. Cause I remember my friend Mamrie, she would be doing these YouTube videos and I was like, YouTube, that sounds stupid. That'll never hit off. Your friend Mamrie, like we, nobody knows who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And Mamrie became very, very successful. Yes. And frankly, like Teal is quite appealing. I don't think it would have been that hard to get, you know, her train out of the station once they started doing that stuff. But by the end of the day, This satanic cult is the basis for all of her doctrine, and it won't be the first time that we've talked about the satanic panic. We're probably going to cut off here and go into a little bit more about the issues that come up with what she describes from her childhood next episode. I get the the draw of her, Amber, and I find that if she would have been like a metal singer, an old acquaintance of mine, Alyssa, who is a metal performer who both sings but like does growls also Ooh. like if she were to take that I'd, I'd probably think she was a fucking badass or she just went to an art career or something and did was very charismatic in that way it's the taking it to a level where you're like telling people if they should kill themselves or not that like becomes the problem for me and so I wanted to leave off paraphrasing the famous philosopher Morticia Adams <laughs> You have enslaved them. You have placed them under some strange sexual spell. I respect that, but you have gone too far. You have indoctrinated people. You have destroyed their spirits. You have taken them away. And all that I could forgive, but Teal? Seminars? 
So good to be back with you, Amber. It's so good to be back with you too, Natalie. I'm excited for this new season. Yes. Let's wear some, let's, when we're recording next week, nobody will know, but let's wear some sequin ball gowns. Yes. And like wear our hair all flowing. That'd be great. And we can take a few pictures and put them on social media just like Teal Swan would do. <gasps> We're going to get you guys. We're going to trick you into our club. I'll call it a club, though, so it won't be scary. Yeah, no tribe. Nope. It's a club. It's a club. It's not a, don't worry about it. It's not an intentional community. That's what she calls her club. So we'll be back again next week. I am Lime Salsa with Honey Silk, and we are saucy for Ingreasy as always. Peace. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.